0: knows, and it's Jesus Christ. It's our Lord and Savior, and it comes right out of the Word of God. And so when we come together on Sunday mornings, when we do anything throughout the week, whenever we're together as God's people, we celebrate the fact that although we're not perfect, although we've got a whole bunch of problems, although we've got a lot of things still to figure out, we know where to find the truth, and it's in God's Word. So we're real people with real problems, but we believe God has given us the real answers. And so it's our joy to live out those truths and to help our community see that there are answers here at Restoration Life because of God's Word and because of God's truth. Amen? The second thing that you hear us say often is church is not what we do on Sunday mornings. Church is what we do Monday through Saturday, Sunday, all week long. Sunday is just the time that we come together and we celebrate it. So we're here together on Sunday morning not so that we can be church or not so that we can do church but that we can celebrate the God who created the church and so we come together to celebrate you might come in here on Sunday morning and you might have brought in a lot of struggles you might be going through a hard time you might be in a time of great blessing there might be a lot of great things going on you might be on kind of a plateau and, and not a lot's changed one way or the other but whatever you brought in this morning wherever you're at You are part of the church of God. And when you walk out of here this morning, you take that with you into your community. You may be the best chance that your world ever gets to see Jesus Christ because of your life. So church is not what we do on Sunday morning. Church is what we do all week long. We just celebrate on Sunday morning. You know, one of the the greatest passages in Scripture is that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could move a mountain Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what you could do if God were to move through you? Could you say to a mountain, go fall into the sea, and see a gigantic mountain actually fall into the sea? Is that possible through you? Could God use you in such a mighty way if you exhibited faith in him? It says it in scripture. I think many of you have heard that. You've read it, maybe studied it. But I think very few of us live it and believe it. We've been going through a series called Extraordinary. From ordinary to extraordinary. And looking at what it looks like if you and I as Christian people take the word of God, apply it to our life, in our community in such a way that people could see God through us. We've talked a lot about different areas of your life where you could become extraordinary. And we said ordinary doesn't make much of a difference in the world that we live in. Ordinary is everywhere. Ordinary is default. But extraordinary, that little bit that's extra, takes the ordinary and makes a big deal out of it. So that everybody who sees it says there's something different there. And that something different is Jesus Christ. It's the power of God in us. And so the way that you live your life, the way that I live my life, should have the fingerprints of God on it. So that when people look at you, they see something something different, something out of the ordinary, something extra. And we're calling that extraordinary living. And I've been challenging you to be extraordinary in different areas of your life. And this morning, I want to challenge you in the area of faith. What would it look like if you began to live a life with extraordinary faith? And I want you to picture as we start the most faithful person The most extraordinary faith that you've ever seen demonstrated in your life. Who is that person or that couple, that individual in your life that when you think of faith, they come to mind? And you say, that person always stays the course. They always trust God. They always believe. Even when it looks like things aren't going well, they're never shaken. They demonstrate extraordinary faith. You know, in my life, when I think of that person, it's actually two people. It's my mom and my dad. I was raised from the time I was born to this very day with a pattern of extraordinary faith right in my own household. Now I'm not going to tell you all the stories of faithfulness that I saw, but I'm going to tell you one that has changed my life. I've never forgotten it. I could never forget it. I've never seen anybody else do it. I'm sure others had, but I've never seen anyone else do what my parents did. You see, when I was four years old, My dad was a school teacher. He was also an elder and a leader in our church. He was well respected, very involved. But my mother and father got caught up in the vision that God had given them to make a difference in their world. And they got so caught up in that vision that God had given them and they were so sure of the calling that they had on their life that they actually sold their house and they gave 100% of the money to the church. And they took that money and combined it with what the church had, and they went and they bought a house in Midtown Sacramento, a large house. And they used that house as kind of a hub to do ministry to, at that time, what was the the Jesus people, the hippie movement, all the young folks who had come out west to, to discover truth. And they bought this house. It was 610 22nd Street. We called that house 610. And it was a place of great ministry. And over a couple of years, that ministry grew to the extent that they sold that house and they bought the one across the street, right there on the corner of 22nd and F, across from what's now Rite Aid. And there was this gigantic home, four stories, 36 bedrooms, 12 bathrooms, huge house. And they put all the money from their house into that one. And they said, this is going to be a place where we can minister to people and show them that God is alive. So I grew up in what was at that time called a Christian commune. I had a bunch of big brothers, guys with hair down to their rear end, come out of all different kinds of uh, lifestyles, all different parts of the United States had come out West and they found Jesus. And in that place where they found Jesus, they needed an environment where they could grow spiritually. Single guys, most of them in their 20s. And they moved into this house and my mom and dad were kind of the house mom and dad. And they ministered to these people. My mom cooked for all these people. And growing up in that environment and watching that, it changed my life forever because from that day on, I know that it's possible when I read in the book of Acts about how everybody sold everything they had and shared everything in common, that's possible. That kind of faith can still exist in the world we live in today. You and I could actually sell everything we have and give it for building up the kingdom. I've seen my parents do it. I've witnessed that kind of faith. And one of the things that I've learned from that is when you exhibit extraordinary faith, you open the door for God to show you extraordinary faithfulness. What I mean by that is I've watched my parents. They sold everything they had. They they gave it away. And when that ministry ended, they didn't sell that house and get their investment back. They walked away from it, 100% of it. We went back to renting a house. We rented for several years. and They're finally able to buy again. But I can stand before you today. My mom is here. Mom, can you wave to everyone? If you don't know who my mom is, there she is. I'm not making this stuff up. If you were to go and, and, and talk to mom and get to know her, for those of you who don't, what you would find is that she is a woman who God has cared for in every single way from that day forward. She's never been in need of a house She's never been in need of hardly anything. There's been times when we were, we were poor. I remember the doors flying open on the car when we turned corners because we had such a junker car. But when it came down to food and clothing and shelter, time together as a family, we were never in need. And to this day, my dad passed away about nine years ago. My mom has a home. It's a beautiful home. God is able to provide when you're faithful and when you live extraordinarily you live an extraordinary faith you open the door for God to show you His extraordinary faithfulness and so my challenge to you this morning as we look at the faith that you exhibit in your life and I'm going to challenge you to live an extraordinary faith that you would begin to discover God's extraordinary faithfulness through stepping out and doing things that you never thought that you could do responding to what God is calling you to do. I want to read a couple of scriptures just to remind you how important faith is to God. Hebrews 11:6 says this and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Think about that. Without faith it is impossible to please God. If you don't live a life of faith, you have no business calling yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. He called you to a life of faith. You have to step out in faith in order to respond to what God is doing in your life. And that first step of faith is just to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And that he is able to save you from all, for all eternity from the consequences of your own sin. That's that first step of faith. But then after that, you start a faith journey. And God continues to give you opportunities to please Him through steps of faith. Doesn't look like it's going to work. Doesn't look safe. Not sure how it's going to go, but you do it anyway. You live a life of extraordinary faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith and not by sight. If you're like me, as you grow up, you learn to trust your instincts. You try stuff out and you go, you know, last time I did this and this was the result And you start to make mental notes to yourself and you start to figure out how life works, and you and I can easily become people who walk by sight. We say, I know how the world works. If you sell everything and you give it to the church, you're going to be poor for the rest of your life. That's the way the world works. And I'm here to tell you by example, that is not true. That's walking by sight. When you walk by faith, God can do incredible things, and I've seen it in my own parents, I've experienced it in my own life. Hebrews 10.38 but my righteous one will live by faith if he shrinks back I will not be pleased with him here's how God feels about you when he gives you an opportunity to exercise your faith and you say it's too much I can't do it, it's too scary, no God I'm going to just stay right here says if he shrinks back I will not be pleased with him God is pleased when you have an opportunity to exercise your faith and you go for it you jump in And you say, yes, God, let's do this thing and see what God does in your life. Faith is an exercise of your belief in God. And I want to ask you this morning, how have you shown faith in God in your life? And what is God asking you to do next in your faith journey? God does it oftentimes by degrees. He starts you off simple, just like the way I raise my kids, little things. Little victories can become bigger victories and bigger things as they grow and as they mature. How big has your faith grown? Is it continuing to grow as God gives you opportunities to step out more and more? Maybe you've never been asked to sell your home, but God has asked you to do something that's scary, something that gets you out of your comfort zone, something that rocks you a little bit so that your faith can grow. Because when you exercise extraordinary faith, God shows up with extraordinary faithfulness. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. It's the best passage in the entire Bible when it comes to understanding how to live with extraordinary faith. Love this passage. Familiar to many of you. This is the story of Peter when he walks on water. Matthew 14, 22 to 36 says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know, as I read this passage, every time I read it, I'm thankful that God gave us this illustration. Of what it looks like to be in a boat, to be in safety, to be in that in that place where you're you're feeling like you're you're safe from from all the wind and the waves and the storm that's around you. But yet as they they were rocked around in that little boat, they were still afraid because the boat could break, and they knew they needed something more. And then when Jesus comes they can see out on the water, they can see Jesus. They can see the one who can calm the waves. But there's a faith step that happens. And Peter is confronted with that. And I just want to point out a few things that I see in this passage. First of all, in verse 22, it says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side. Think about that. They didn't want to get in the boat and leave Jesus. They had just finished feeding the 5,000. It was a great afternoon. They had this, this wonderful opportunity to watch the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at work. The disciples saw these thousands of people and they were following Jesus, their rabbi and they were along for the ride they didn't know what was coming next but they sure enjoyed being part of it and as Jesus taught and the people gathered in, in huge numbers all around the disciples came to him and said these people are going to be hungry we should send them home Okay, walking by sight that's what it appeared like if you just use your own intellect you say hey it's lunchtime. these people need some food we better send them home It's getting late. It's going to be dark soon. These people need some food. We better send them home. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. I said, we don't have any food. You know how much it would cost to feed all these people? That's ridiculous. Jesus calls a boy who's got only his lunch. Loaves and fish. He breaks it. He passes it out. Twelve baskets later, the apostles are just amazed that Jesus Christ could take a little bit and feed so many. And they said, that's amazing how he did that. And they were, their minds were just reeling with, how does God do these things through Jesus Christ? And they're trying to put all the pieces together. And then in the midst of all that, Jesus says, okay, now I want you guys to leave and I'm going to go and pray. So he sends them out on the boat. Now, where does Jesus send them? He sends them out into the middle of a lake that's six miles across. They're seasoned veterans, many of them fishermen. They know how to do the boat thing. But he sends them into a storm. The text tells us that the wind and the waves are beating against the side of the boat to the extent that these guys, who are seasoned sailors, are afraid they're going to die. Now, why did the text tell us that Jesus sent them out to their death, out into the storm? Why did he send them alone, without his presence, into the middle of the lake where they were afraid for their lives? Could it be that it was God's plan from the very beginning? to put them in the middle of a storm so that he could teach them something they couldn't learn on land could it be that God designed from the very beginning for them to have an opportunity to learn about extraordinary faith you know sometimes God puts you and I in the middle of a storm and if you're anything like me you get in the middle of the storm and you say Lord what's going on where did you go everything's falling apart and you're not even here and you were fearful And we cry out, and yet we feel all alone. And we feel abandoned by God, and I'm sure that the the disciples felt abandoned in that moment. Why did Jesus stay behind? Why did He make us leave? Didn't He know this was going to happen? Where is He when when we need Him? Sometimes God will send you into the middle of a storm in your life, so you'll have an opportunity to learn about extraordinary faith and what it looks like. So I encourage you, whether you're in the middle of a storm now, whether you've got one coming soon, or whether you just came out of one, to recognize that the storms in your life are an opportunity to grow in your faith. And that that's not outside of God's plan. It's most likely exactly what God planned for your own good. And so God sent them on purpose. It says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side. Then in verse 27... It says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Our faith is not blind faith. Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid, period. He said, don't be afraid, because I am here. After the disciples were out there and they were fearful, Jesus came down from the mountain and he walked on water out to the middle of that lake, three and a half miles out in the middle of the lake. There's Jesus. And he's standing on water. Again, when you walk by sight, you say, that's impossible. A person can't stand on water. I've never seen somebody stand on water. I've been in lots of water. I've tried to step on water. You have too. What happens? You go down. You start kicking your feet and waving your arms. You might actually keep your head above water. But you're not going to stand on water. Jesus walks all the way out there. He's standing on water. He's doing something that can only be done... If you believe by faith, in the natural, that's not possible. It's supernatural. So Jesus walks out there and he's standing by them and he says, you should not be afraid and the reason you should not be afraid is because I'm here with you. It's me. Don't be afraid. And I'm reminded that when you're in the middle of a storm and you exercise extraordinary faith, it's not just extraordinary faith, it's extraordinary faith in the person of Jesus Christ. God is alive he is good, and He's real. When Jesus died on the cross, the Scriptures say He didn't stay dead, but He came back to life. He demonstrated power over death. He demonstrated power over nature. He demonstrated that He has power over all things, and there's nothing too difficult for God. So when you get in the middle of the storm, and you feel fearful, and you're not sure how you're going to get out of this alive, how you're going to keep your sanity, how you're going to not just melt down and have a breakdown. It's faith in the person of Jesus Christ who is there with you. The scriptures remind us Jesus says I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's no place you can go where Jesus is not right there with you. And when you're in the middle of your storm whether it's depression whether it's financial difficulties whether it's relational difficulties whether it's job difficulties whatever it is that's causing you anxiety, fear, discomfort Jesus is there with you. He promises that he will stay with you. And because he is there, you do not need to be afraid. This is all part of his curriculum for your life. And in that moment, he gives you an opportunity to demonstrate faith. Faith in him. Extraordinary faith in the midst of the storm. And in return, he promises to demonstrate his extraordinary faithfulness. Then verse 28 and 29, it says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down onto the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Have you ever walked on water? Have you ever known anybody that walked on water? Peter walked on water. What a testimony. For the rest of his life, he could sit around the campfire with the fellows and say, and then there was that one time, when I walked on water. You guys saw me, right? I mean, wow. If he hadn't have gotten out of the boat, he couldn't say, I walked on water. He would have never known. He had to get out of the boat in order to know the power. Now, it's interesting, and I should note, that it wasn't, Peter didn't just see him out there and jump out of the boat and run towards him. Before he jumped out of the boat, he said, Lord, if, if it is you, invite me to come And Jesus says, come. Don't just go running off and doing crazy things for the Lord. Do the things He's invited you to do. Peter asked, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And and the Lord said, yes, come on out. Join me out here on the wind and the waves, on the water. And when he received that, come. That was his invitation to climb out of the boat and take a step of faith. God will invite you in the midst of your storm to take a step of faith so that he can prove who he is to you. And when he invites you, that's the time, that's the moment when you exhibit your extraordinary faith and you climb out of the boat and you begin to walk on water. You have to test Jesus sometimes to know what he can and what he will do. You know, when we look at this picture, there were 12 who were in the boat, 12 disciples. They're all sitting in this boat and they all saw Jesus, but only one had the wherewithal to say, if that is you, Lord, tell me to come. And he came. And I find it interesting, I think about the other disciples and I wonder when Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking, why nobody else said, hey, can I come too? They all stood in the boat and they watched and only one went. It was only Peter. And at the end of the day when that whole episode was over, there was only one who could say, I stepped out in faith. in a, I mean, crazy faith. I walked on water. And the others could only say, I saw you walk on water. And I think about the story of my parents. I can say I saw my parents sell their house. And I did. And it was amazing. And it strengthened my faith. But I never sold my house and gave it to the church. I've never walked on water. What have you actually done... To grow your faith. You can only get so much from watching other people. At some point you've got to respond to what God's called you to do. And you've got to experience it for yourself. The scriptures tell us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you've got to get that taste in your mouth yourself. You've got to experience it firsthand. You can only learn so much about your Lord and Savior by watching the people around you. There are people of great faith sitting in this congregation this morning. But you can't learn what it means to have extraordinary faith simply by watching them walk it out. You have to respond to the calling yourself and experience it firsthand. Now, God's calling to one person might be different than it is to another. You don't need to do what God's calling them to do. You need to do what God is calling you to do. And only as you do that will we be able to taste of His great power and provision, His extraordinary faithfulness. Then verse 30 and 32 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. You know, one of the the sad truths about each and every one of us is that along life's way, you will learn that you're actually pretty good at some things. And you can pull off some pretty cool stuff that impresses the people around you just on your own power and other times you'll take a step of faith and you'll see God respond with extraordinary faithfulness and you'll begin to believe that you actually did it on your own and you didn't need his faithfulness and you know as Peter got out of the boat and he started walking towards Jesus he was doing something extraordinary and all of his friends back in the boat that were watching were going whoa Peter's walking on water we know Peter Peter shouldn't be walking on water. That's incredible. And they're watching all that, and yet in the midst of that, Peter starts to lose his focus on Christ. He starts to look at the wind, and he starts to look at the waves, and he starts to think thoughts about how dangerous this is, and the fear comes back in, and he begins to sink. And he realizes at that moment, he's not able to walk on water. He has no business being out there on his own. And he cries out to the Lord, the only one that he knows can actually save him. And Jesus reaches out and does so. But Jesus rebukes him in that moment as well. He doesn't just reach out and save him and say, Wow, good job, Peter, you made it 10 feet. Next time maybe you'll make it 20. He's not doing that. He says, Why did you doubt? Where is your faith? Don't you know that I'm able to keep you safe? Why did you look at the wind and the waves? You should have kept your focus on me and you could have walked all the way out to where I was at. And I think there's a lesson there for each one of us. When you ex- when you exhibit extraordinary faith, when you start to take those faith steps to step out of your comfort zone and you see that God's faithfulness is there and he's carrying you along and he's using you, don't lose your focus. Don't start to think of what you're doing because if you start focusing on self and you start becoming proud of what you're doing, you're going to sink just like Peter did. It's only by the grace of God that a person living with extraordinary faith can take another step in their journey. If you try and do it on your own, you will sink and you will drown. You can never leave God out of the equation. It's always important to keep your focus on Christ. When the storms come in your life, keep your focus. When God called me to plant Rest Life, I went through a boat experience of my own. God called me out of a comfortable place. I was at First Baptist Church. They didn't want me to leave. Nobody was saying, please, leave First Baptist. We don't want you here anymore. I was happy there. They were happy with me there. I got a paycheck every two weeks. I had an office that was about two times the size it needed to be. I got to work in one of the coolest churches in town. It's beautiful. It's the same place I got married, red carpet right down the middle, stained glass, all the bells and whistles, right in the part of town that I wanted to minister in, the heart of Sacramento. I didn't have to leave, but God was calling me, Dan, you're comfortable. I know that, but I want you to get out of the boat. I want you to take a step of faith that's scary. And I remember telling Nicole, hey, I think God wants us to start a church. And as we talked it through, Nicole asked me a very important question. What if we lose our house? And I thought, well, mom and dad lost their house and that worked out pretty good. I said, I think we'll be okay. We'll, get, we'll go rent an apartment. That's what we'll do. We'll start over again. And to her credit, my wife said, all right, sounds good to me. And we stepped out of the boat. I resigned at First Baptist. We started putting together a launch team. We started dreaming and planning. But we had no guarantee. I didn't know that my foot was going to stand on top of the water. We could have gone down like a lead weight. It could have been crash and burn time. We had no guarantees. All we had was a calling from God. Experience in the past that God is faithful. That when we test Him in that, He is always faithful. He'd never let us down before. So we said, we're going to put faith in the person of Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do, and we're stepping out of the boat. And together we jumped out of that boat and we started walking on water. From that day until this, it's been over three years, Nicole and I have never been in need of anything. God has provided everything that we've needed. And I look back now and I think, what if we had said, Lord, we can't do it, it's too scary, we're staying in the boat. What we would miss out on? the opportunities that God's given us to experience firsthand His faithfulness. When we had about 10 people on our launch team, that was probably the scariest time of all because we were responsible to a group of 10 people that we said God called us to do this, and yet we didn't have enough people to really be a church. We didn't have enough money to actually be able to pay our mortgage and all that stuff on our own. And there was a scary few weeks in there. And I remember I put together a list and some of your names were on it. It was a list of about 60 different people that I knew from past experience in different churches and growing up here in Sacramento. And there were people that I said, Lord, could you let those people be on our launch team and help us start this thing? And we prayed over that list and I talked to a lot of people and some of you are those people. But there was one particular couple on there that I just knew we had to have on our team. And if we had Bob and Nancy Brow, who are sitting up here in the front this morning, on our team, I knew everything would be okay. I got to work with Bob and Nancy over at First Baptist, and they're just delightful people. Servant-hearted, faithful. I don't think you guys have ever said one critical thing to me the entire time I've known you, but you've always given me lots of encouragement. I mean, I just love these guys. And when I was leaving First Baptist and I said, oh, I just Lord, just, just give me Bob and Nancy and I'll just relax and everything will be okay. Now, Bob and I, every Thursday morning for the last five years, we've been getting together over at uh, Carrow's or now at Lyons for our men's fellowship. So Bob and I see each other early in the morning, every Thursday morning. And, and Bob was giving me updates as I was leaving First Baptist that they maybe are coming, maybe not coming. And, and I remember Bob came to me one one uh, Thursday morning he says well it looks like we're coming with you and I go, oh okay Lord thank you God provided I stepped out of the boat I feel like I'm walking on water life is good I drove home happy I told Nicole I was excited the next week I came back and Bob says well I think maybe God's calling us to stay at First Baptist a bit longer and I remember at that moment like Peter out on the water And he started looking at the wind and the waves, and he started to sink, and he's reaching up. I felt like I was sinking at that moment. I don't know if Bob even saw it on my face, but I got in my car. I drove about one block. I'm stopped at the stoplight, and I thought all was lost. I was looking at wind and waves, and I'd lost my focus. And I had forgotten for some reason that Jesus Christ, who had called this church into existence, was still the same Jesus that he was an hour before I got that news. And yet I started to focus on the wrong things. I started to focus on the circumstances and not on the Savior. And in that moment when I was feeling really down, the Holy Spirit took the Word of God, the Scripture, the same one that I read this morning from Matthew 14. And he said, Dan, don't you remember that Peter, when he walked on water, got into big trouble as soon as he took his focus off of Jesus and he started to drown? Oh yeah, Holy Spirit, I remember that said so do you really want to be that guy Ooh, no I don't want to be that guy keep your focus and at that light before the light even turned I said yes Lord I'm going to focus on you I'm going to keep my focus on you and you are going to provide in your way and in your time and I'm not going to worry about all that stuff that's wind and waves now God in his graciousness I get to work with Bob and Nancy but that was a couple years removed it was a, it was a couple years later before they came and joined us I didn't know any of that at the time. All I knew was to keep it simple. Focus on Jesus. He will provide. He is faithful. He is able. Keep the faith. And when you keep that focus, God does bring you through every single time. You can walk on water. There's nothing you can't do when you focus on Jesus Christ and what he's called you to do. You know, John Ortberg wrote a book called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. I like the title. It says a lot. It's pretty simple. You'll never experience it if you don't step out. He says this on the, on the uh, intro to the book. You're one step away from the adventure of your life. Deep within you lies the same faith and longing that sent Peter walking across the windswept sea of Galilee towards Jesus. In what ways is the Lord telling you as he did Peter, come? Incredible potential awaits you outside your comfort zone. Out on the risky waters of faith, Jesus is waiting to meet you in ways that will change you forever. Deepening your character, your trust in God. The experience is terrifying. It's thrilling beyond belief. It's everything you'd expect of something worthy to be called by our Lord. The choice is yours to know Him as only a water walker can. Aligning yourself with God's purpose for your life in the process. There's just one requirement. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us a congregation of extraordinary faith. Lord, I don't know what each person here's faith journey looks like. I don't know what storms are ahead. I don't know what storms are raging even now. But Lord, you do. Lord, you sent each one of us into those places so that we could learn about your faithfulness. And Father, I pray that we as a congregation would demonstrate extraordinary faith, first of all, so that you could receive our worship through our faith, and second, so that this community would know that you are alive because they see the extraordinary faith of your people. And that, Lord, we could proclaim openly and publicly your extraordinary faithfulness in return, that you've never left your church in need, you've never abandoned your people, you've never left us without And we've never drowned, but you've always rescued us in our time of need. And so, Lord, would you lift us up and would you carry us to that place of safety where there's no wind and there's no waves and there's perfect communion with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.